They're called cartridges. The bullet is a part that enters your brain if you keep talking shit. And this gun only has five cartridges, not six. Because they're big as fuck and only five fit the cylinder. So please, shut the fuck up and don't test me. You shouldn't make it worse. We sit and we wait. And welcome to Generation Lost, the show where me and Jeremy watch movies. Hi. Hi, this is Jeremy. This is Bryn. And today we have a guest. Hello. It is Alex Goldman from Reply All and On the Media and other shows like that. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited <laughs> to be on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're really excited to have you because you are, I think, our first guest who isn't either on my show on Bryn's show on my show or living at Bryn's house <laughs> well horror vanguard but oh that's true that yeah. was you're the first in-person guest we had that wasn't like literally our friends <laughs> well you know I mean you should just tweet at random people more often and say do you want to be on our show because <laughs> I was like hell yeah absolutely it is shocking how often that works it's so oh, it was crazy. so often anyone who has a smaller podcast and uh Needs once a guest, just fucking tweet at him. Yeah, it's easy. Not me though. <laughs> well, not us. We will not come. No, on your I will show. not come on your show. I'll come on any show. <laughs> just ask me. Yeah, Alex will go on any show. Um, yeah. So we usually like to start off with, what did you watch this week that wasn't this? I actually watched Birds of Prey. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. What's like the idea there? Is it the same Harley from um, Suicide Squad? From Suicide Squad? It is the same Harley from Suicide Squad. I actually really liked it. Yeah. It, it was... <laughs> I wasn't expecting to like it because I have not liked a single DC superhero movie, basically, right. of this generation. I wasn't a fan of Joker. I know people are pretty split it's on terrible. that. terrible. I thought that it was like a completely <laughs> joyless slog yeah. with no moral and no center. And Thank it, you. Most of what it was, the most attractive thing about it was like Joaquin Phoenix's sort of like lithe, skinny guy dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was it's the best so part funny. for me. Out of curiosity, what did you think of the score of Joker? Uh, I honestly don't remember it. Yeah, you yeah, probably didn't think about it. We, when we left the theater, one of the first things that we called out about it was like, that score sucked. <laughs> and then it ended up winning Academy Award awesome. for it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, best score. Well, now I have to go listen to it. Yeah. The, uh, apart from the movie, it's sort of not that bad. It's like a Johan Johansson and the, his protege, who's a woman... Uh, Heidi something I can't remember her name and it's not that it's a pretty like ambient score but it's used so poorly in the movie it feels like a joke that's funny I mean the only other score I can think of from last year and it's insane that it didn't get nominated was the Uncut Gem score which was so incredibly good OPN is incredible and a lot of people were like it doesn't fit the movie the movie's so tense and blah 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 but like I can't think of a more perfect score for that weird movie (laughs) I liked that movie I loved it I yeah. loved that movie. So, Birds of Prey, though. Oh, I mean, it just, it it kind of gave me Batman the Animated Series vibes. Like, okay. it just had, okay. <laughs> it just had, like, enough self-awareness and, like, enough reverence for the material, but not too much. 
there were no real superheroes to be seen. It was just villains on villains. Right. Even the good guys were pretty bad. And it's just about a bunch of incompetent people kind of shambling their way through not getting killed. <laughs> and it's it's also very silly. Like, even, yeah, there's, the, even the deaths are silly. Even, like, the violence is silly. Mm-hmm. So there's a small part of, like, my Hot Topic Molgoth girl inside of me that, like, saw that trailer and was like, yeah, I'll watch that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm into it. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a part of me that saw the Suicide Squad trailer and was like, you know what? It is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the promise of the trailer was absolutely not borne out in the mm-hmm. movie. For really? Suicide Squad. Really? Oh, right. I didn't see that. I didn't either. It's just, Suicide Squad, again, is just like a movie that had like no joy and no fun in it. It was right. just like all the stuff that was silly felt like it had been shoved in after the sort of silly trailer was successful. Mm. Uh-huh. But this movie, like, I would say that there's like a, a decent part of the climax which takes where she puts on roller skates. And they're like, where did she get roller skates to change into? Which is like, they say that on screen and then she just rides around on roller skates for... 15 minutes kicking, <laughs> kicking ass in a car chase. Uh-huh. It's like really wonderful. And they it's never ins- explain where the roller no. skates came from. That but more than that, yeah. like I, th- I sort of thought like every action sequence, I'd like seen every permutation of every action sequence by this point. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like not only did it feel organic and not super CGI, but it felt just like new and exciting and like everybody was having fun. Like I really enjoyed it as far as like, superhero movies go it was a lot better than most and it was also like violent and silly but not like in an obnoxious deadpool-y way mm, right that's awesome because it sounds like um what i think that a good version of the mask would be like that's, yes like the mask is a movie where it's like a guy who gets turned into a cartoon character and then kills people in cartoon character ways but it should be really violent because the, everyone else is not a cartoon character right when's the last time you saw the mask i haven't seen it, it recently enough to even remember is it violent it's not that's the thing they they took a comic book that was about this mask that turns you into a cartoon character and mm. you do things like drop anvil on people's heads but they're not cartoon characters so they get so they fucking turn fucked into up gore. oh yeah. right yeah but they made the movie wanted to sell it to kids and so it's very like it's just everything's a cartoon so it doesn't matter right. <laughs> so it's dumb huh. um but that sounds yeah it was a lot of fun yeah so in terms of birds of prey do you think that it's kind of like moving the DC thing into a more positive direction? Because it feels like they've been kind of just like flapping their wings for so long trying to make the DC movies work. Like, do you think that they're moving in a positive direction now? I really wish that were the case, but it wasn't a big (laughs) financial success. So I think they're probably going to stick to whatever works. Oh, yeah, because Justice League, for how god awful it is like made a gazillion dollars yeah made a ton of money I think so oh my god they're just gonna keep learning the wrong lessons from everything they do I think that movie was marketed really poorly like it was marketed as like this this feminist take on superheroes and really what it was I think was just a superhero movie that was funny and smart that had women in it right and like I think it turned off basically the the worst people. (laughs) But I mean, if you want a movie to be successful, you have to have bad people come see it as well. Yeah. So like, I think that that was a a mistake because I think it was a, it was a movie that is perfectly enjoyable by, I'm trying to remember, I watched a movie the other day and I was shocked at how weird, oh, it was the Charlie's Angels reboot. Okay. Oh. Okay. So I I watched that be- yeah. because I hate myself and I don't like good things. <laughs> <laughs> but at I love the be- that. at the beginning of the movie, there's like this 
that movie was so explicitly an attempt to appeal to sort of like middle of the road white feminism in like a really appalling way. Yeah. (laughs) That at the beginning of it, it opens with just a montage of like six and seven year old women sort of walking through the world, being everything that they can be that has nothing to do with the plot. (laughs) Nothing. It's just like a, it's just like a girl power montage. Just little children. Are they like dressed as adults doing adult things? No, they're just girls being girls. And it's just like (laughs) a metaphor for the potential of them to grow up to be, Charlie's Angels. Sexualized super, <laughs> super you, spies. Are Charlie's Angels like private detectives? What is their yeah. role in like this? Are I they cops? Are they like part thought of they the were FBI? like the A team? They're kind of like a group of people that they're not exactly on the run, but they're like a group of people that are part of some sort of independent organization. They're not part of any nation state. Right. right. In the show, they're private investigators. And Charlie is like the their pimp, basically, who like uh-huh. sends them on jobs. He and what happens job. to the to the bad guys? Do they like go to jail? Do they get killed? Do they kill people? In the movie, yeah, in, in the, the movie, in they, this kill movie they kill yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> so are they just like a hit squad? <laughs> yeah, they're basically they're assassins. like a Kill Bill style assassination. <laughs> squad. You know, this movie could be cool if you think about it. like, yeah, <laughs> you could do that. Really interesting. It was like yeah. Charlie's Angels, where they just execute people. They're just assassins for mercenaries. Yeah, <laughs> and you like actually deal with the politics of that. It'd be fun. That would be a good movie. Yeah. I'd watch yeah, that. Yeah, why don't they make good movies? <laughs> make a fucking good movie. Can you just once. think about it for a second? Just, just think spend, about it for a second. Just leave it in the oven a couple more minutes. You'd come up with this idea. Well, I'm going to have to watch Birds of Prey now. Yeah. But not Charlie's Angels. It's really bad, right? I mean, if you have nothing else to do. So I, 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 I can't. I mean, I wouldn't recommend against it. It has fine set pieces and stuff. Mm-hmm. But just like as a... Make a fucking fun movie or make it make a message movie. Like right. don't try and shoehorn a weird message in the front of a movie where like then the opening the actual opening the actual opening set piece is like one of them fake seducing a guy and it just like is really disempowering and pretty gross. <laughs> so like cutting everything yeah, about the movie. Fucking pick your opinions, you know. Right, right. Yeah. That's what happens when you make a movie by committee. Right. Did you watch anything this week? So I haven't watched a full-length movie in a little while, but what I have watched a lot of this week <laughs> is the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. I've heard a lot about this. <laughs> I don't know what that is. You're not familiar? No. Have okay. you seen it at all? I haven't, but from what I understand, it's not just like it's not just like this is how you cook stuff. They've made sort of like a high drama reality show. Am I yeah, right well, about it's not, that? I wouldn't call it high drama. What it is is it's like um it's very much tending to like a uh, like a parasocial relationship that you form with these characters in the kitchen. Uh, okay. They all have their own. They're all these different characters who you're supposed to believe were like hired as chefs, and like somebody turned a camera on them, and now suddenly you know they have this hit right. show. Okay, okay. Uh, but in reality, they probably all were cast because they're all they have acting chops. Also, are they also very beautiful? They're gorgeous. Okay, every, <laughs> every single one of Got them it. is right. like a mwah, TV ready character. <laughs> Ten, <laughs> which also uh, should I, let you I know like these that. aren't authentic chefs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but every one of them has their own little like segment that they do. They do like a half hour show of like one of them makes gourmet versions of household snack things so like 
things like a pizza bagel or like combos or gushers. But why, gushers. Would, you, why would you make those if you could just buy them at the store? I think that's kind of the idea is like you always watch her do like four days of like intense labor to try to put together a gusher. <laughs> and you're like, well, no, nobody should ever do this. But that also seems so bad. kind yeah. of makes you think about what a gusher is. I don't know. It's an interesting channel. It's not good entertainment necessarily, but it's uh, filling. I <laughs> oh, guess I would say. It doesn't leave you feeling Quite empty. like a gusher, in fact. <laughs> it's say. full of gusher. It gushes with content. It, it gives you that content goo yeah, in the middle. It, it, it shoots it out. Oh, yeah. All over you. <laughs> I have a weird uh, fondness for food media in general, I think. Okay. That I don't really get to express enough because it's deeply embarrassing and I hold it very close What's to myself. What's embarrassing about it, though? <laughs> food media? I don't know. It's like food is such a, it's such a need that everybody has that it feels like making media about it is pornographic i don't know it's like it feels like it's something that shouldn't be enjoyed the way it is (laughs) i agree Hmm. i don't enjoy food (laughs) 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 if i could not have to eat i'd love that i know i would love that if you could choose between never have to eat or never have to sleep which would you choose sleep Sleep. Yeah, sleep. sleep. yeah, sleep. For sure. Get rid of sleep. I mean, I... I have too much stuff to do. Yeah. I would love to have an extra six hours in my day. <laughs> um, but watching I... Watching movies. I've you never... could watch so many more movies if you didn't. I know. know, right? That's like the biggest barrier to watching movies. I feel... all, all that being said, I will sit in front of Netflix and be like, Ugh, what is there? I guess I'll watch the fucking Charlie's Angels movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, I've already watched enough movies. Yeah, I've never really been into watching food stuff. Yeah. Like, I've never... I don't get it. You can't eat it. I watched... uh, (laughs) I've watched The Great British Bake Off with my wife. A show that people always mention. I like like the Bake Off. But for me, again, like, I don't care about food. It's more about the personalities. And, like, that shows so much about presentation because they're not making, like, a loaf of bread. They're making, like, a loaf of bread in the shape of a castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always like there's an extra element thrown in. Oh, good? Or or did it collapse? Or that, that stuff is the stuff that's compelling. It's not the actual, like... I bet that would taste good. I don't give a mm-hmm. shit about that. Yeah. The best thing in Bake Off for me is that every season they have the exact same archetypes. There's always like one granny who's like really sweet. And then there's always like one young right. kid who's like from a like ethnic or social background that you wouldn't guess <laughs> would be into baking. <laughs> and then there's always like one gruff working class white guy oh, who's yeah, just like, yeah, true. I lay bricks and I also bake me little tea cakes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally every season they've never come up with a better idea than like gruff working man who makes cakes <laughs> that's so weird so and bon, bon Appetit is not like that no Bon Appetit is like cool like young 20 to 30 somethings uh-huh. who like work in this kitchen and like have relationships with each other and whatever and like okay. I don't know how to describe it except that they it all sounds... really strike me as like strong Pete Buttigieg types uh. <laughs> it sounds like The Office that's supposedly if the, if the Office was really a documentary but less about the plots between them and more if, if the office was almost always the, about their work, the, about the camera side selling paper. Oh, no, no, no. You know, when they like when they step aside to like look into the camera and be oh, like, like the confessional, things. Yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah. it would be almost all that. What do you call those like, um, vlogs? confessionals? Confessionals. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. It's funny how that's one thing that the real world started that is just like, that's how it is. That's how it is now. We're doing yeah. that forever, for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping that thing. It's been 30, the 
real world started in like 89. It's been oh, like shit. 30 years. 30 years. you think? Well, I, I I'm, think you're right. I'm an old man. I just turned 40. <laughs> so I remember the first season when it came out and what a big fucking deal it was. Mm, I, I remember the first season coming out. I was very young, though. It was weird. It was like, why would you want to watch people in a room? I remember finding it immediate, <laughs> what <do they> do? <laughs> immediately compelling. And then as as reality TV grew, I, I, I grew more and more out of touch with it. Yeah. And I like, became less, I understood it less and less. I was like, what the fuck? The why more. want to watch someone date someone. This sounds <laughs> awful. Yeah, it's already awkward enough to do it. I know. What's funny is that it kind of feels like a later reality show idea. If you think about like what the real world was, is kind of just like very unstructured, very loose. It kind of right. feels like the kind of thing that after a while of doing reality show, you would have come up with and yeah, been yeah. like, what if we just say, fuck it, there's no <laughs> rules and it's just a house. I mean, actually, it was only later seasons when they started, when it was like, you guys all have a job now. Uh-huh. You guys all have things you have to complete. And it was only after they came out with like road rules where they were like, now we're going to go, you have to climb up climbing wall and whoever yeah, gets there right. first gets the blah 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 you all like, work at a cafe whatever <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah what's so striking about the first two seasons of the real world is that they had no plans yeah, yeah they're they were like i'm anything. sure if we just put a bunch of hot teenagers in a fucking room they'll do something entertaining and they were and right it's, it's not the first- <laughs> <laughs> i sense a difference of opinion here I haven't seen it. I don't know. No, but like, it seems it, like it did well. No, it was it was interesting. It uh-huh. was definitely like, it felt like this was pre-internet. So it felt like original like vlogs. Right. Where it was I'm just like. I'm really hey. trying. Now that I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like agonizing to think of anything that happened in the first <laughs> season of The Real World. So here's what I remember. Okay. They went, and it is insane how much I remember about this. <laughs> <laughs> Heather got into an argument oh. about using a towel that wasn't hers. That was a big episode. That was a big plot point. Jesus oh, yeah. Uh, they went to see Andre's band play. <laughs> mm-hmm. They all performed. Norman was an artist, and they performed in one of his videos. Eric and Julie kind of had crushes on each other. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin and Julie got into an argument, which had very, very unsubtle racial undertones. Um, (laughs) Unsubtle. Oh, yeah, because he was kind of like... He was black and she was white. And that's the entire season. That's it. (laughs) Nothing else happened. It was like a lot of sitting around the house. And that's 1989? 89 or 90, It's crazy to think about, like, what else is happening at that time. Like, in pop culture, that that's when, like do the right thing and like public enemy are like just like the, the yeah. aggression and seriousness of that work versus like people getting in an argument about using each other's towel. <laughs> I read that well, there's like an MTV oral history book mm-hmm. and I, which I read and it every like the whole time that MTV was going on it was like everybody who worked there all these people who we considered like big celebrities all the VJs and stuff they were all like yeah we barely got enough to live off of. Yeah. We were all yeah. living in New York just starving to death. They were just raking in cash and they would just make it as cheap as fucking possible. They would just make, they would just use, as, spend as little money, do as little oversight. So the idea of a show, the of a show where like people just sit in a house and they turn the cameras on, yeah, it really feels tracks. like a natural extension <laughs> of what MTV was at the time. <clears throat> yeah, because it's like it's they were just like weirdos who were like we're trying to do this fucking network. Everything was everything you said about that show is right, except I looked it up and it's ninety two. So oh, I was wrong by three years. Three years, yeah. you're basically right on the money with everything. The Heather stuff, the <laughs> Andre stuff, but it's 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 shocking because they were just like weird kids 
Generation X was like very weird about things. They were just like, I guess we'll just fucking do something different. And like that was like, as long as it's different, we'll try it. Yeah. And I think that was really cool of them to just be like, let's just put people in a room and film it. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a similar oral history to um, like early adult swim. That's a good question. Oh, I would love to because read that. I wonder if that's a similar sort of thing when you look back on like kind of the cheap animation that they were doing and kind of just like this really sort of like slap it on the paper, get it out there sort of you like you thought of it at the time as like, like it's so punk rock. Like they're like putting Mm -hmm. this, this together with like minimal resources and putting these shows out with like reused footage and stuff. But then I wonder like, was it just like that where it was just somebody's profit line? I was in college when adult swim started and it was like appointment viewing. We would all get together and watch it. Like it was like a big fucking deal. Yeah, man. Early adult swim, was wildly good. Yeah. Early Adult Swim felt like an event in your life. Yeah. Where it was like, this is made from, it was one of the first, like, it wasn't exactly parasocial because there was no people on it. Right. But it was like, you could, it was like a thin layer of friends behind cartoons. Oh, right. It was like, oh, these people get what's yeah, going on. Yeah, whoever they are. I don't know who they are. Yeah. But whoever they are, they get me. But like, whatever's happening at William you, Street is going to rule when I get there. But you like read like Matt Malero's name on fucking every show. Mm-hmm. Right. I was like, well, that guy's awesome. Like, I don't know what he's like or anything, but this guy must rule. So I, it was one of the first experience I can remember of like that kind of parasocial yeah. relationship. I feel like there was a lot of that with um, Chappelle's show at the time, too, which sure. talking about it being like uh, like appointment viewing, I feel like that was one of the last comedies that I remember being like an appointment viewing sort of thing. Yeah, like you totally. have to be there to watch it. And Chappelle's show had this sort of like fun little like peek behind the curtain thing where you would hear about him and Neil and like the way they would talk about like he, he would just let these like tiny little insights through where he'd be like yeah me and Neil thought this was funny and you're like man I bet that writer's room is so much fun oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> someday they'll show Neil on screen <laughs> uh okay so I watched we're at what yeah, yeah, yeah we should, we we should move along <laughs> what, did, what did you watch wait no I, what I watched was very embarrassing so if we want to go right to the movie no I did <laughs> Yeah, go for it. Now what what, what did you watch? We you simply must tell us now. <laughs> uh, well, um, I had a hankering okay. <laughs> um, to watch um, the second Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them movie. Okay. <laughs> but Because I have not seen it. I haven't really said this on the show, but I do like Harry Potter okay. and its world. <laughs> and um, But my boyfriend had not seen the first one, so I watched the first one again. <laughs> Okay. So I watched Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I'm sh- this, I'm sorry I'm going to be so useless in this because I don't know anything <laughs> about Harry Potter. That's so interesting. Have you ever seen anyone? I saw the first two. Okay. Both the Chris And I know one. like, I know words from Harry Potter that like show up in later <laughs> books. Like I know there are things called horcruxes Horror that they have crux. to destroy. Well, it's and like then... bled into fucking politics and like. Right. Yeah. It, and the internet and like you have to know something. It's like not knowing. It's whom. like Dragon Ball stuff. It's like Spirit Bomb. We were saying. Right. I, I don't think we yeah, were recording yeah. yet, but we were talking earlier about <laughs> Spirit Bomb and how that's like a thing that just like makes its way into pop culture. So yes. You, you just know these terms. It'd be like not knowing who Pluto from Mickey Mouse is. Like it, it's become. Yeah. Or like. Like Sebastian the Crab, you don't have to have seen. Or the more Little so, I'd say it's like it would be like seeing like the Mickey Mouse ears and being like, what "The fuck are those? What's that? What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> but but the the Fantastic Beast movies take place in the universe, but are not about really, Harry Potter. Not yeah. about Harry Potter. Do they take place at the same time period? No, they take place in the forties. Okay, and they're like a book in the story, right? 
what? No. Isn't it like he gets the book at the end of the... Uh, it's like a book within a book, isn't it? No, no, no. It's not a story. It's just like, it's history. Like this guy named Newt Scamander was a guy who they read about in the books. Uh-huh. And they... It's like a... It's... Yeah, it's just stuff yeah. that happened in the 40s. And then like, it's like, it goes into like Dumbledore, the the, the head of the school that they go I, to. I do know who Dumbledore as a, <laughs> as, a, as a young man and his relationships with a fascist and mm-hmm. stuff. So the thing about the Fantastic Beast movies is that it's Harry Potter, except they know they're making them for adults. And they right. don't have to follow the kids' books. They're written for adults because mm-hmm. it's a sh- it's about the late 30s, early 40s in America and kind of what's going on in the muggle world and the, sorry, the non-magic world and the magic world. Okay. So so when you say fascist, when you say fascists, you're not being allegorical, like no. literal fascists. Right. So World War II still happens in yeah. Harry Potter. And the wizards did nothing about yeah, it. Seriously. Yeah. Turn and the it planes into that. bananas or whatever. So the crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the wild thing about the movies is it's terrible politics, right? Uh-huh. Like it's still J.K. Rowling doing the most lib takes on everything. Right. Um, but the sort of interpersonal stuff is real fun. And But wait, no, you can't. Why didn't they stop World War II? <laughs> Because they have rules that they're not allowed to. Um, it's like Star Trek. They have like non-intervention. Yeah, yeah. It's like they can't. Re- they can't reveal their magic to to the non-magic world. That's right. Even if it means saving everybody from the which Holocaust. is the main, which is the main like <laughs> crux of the story. Right. Which is like the horcrux of the story. Well, yes, the horcrux of the story, which is that Johnny Depp plays a fascist who's like, we shouldn't have. It's the most like liberal setting, right? Because it's like w- the fascists are like, well, we should be able to sh- show ourselves mm-hmm. because fuck them. Like we're more powerful than them. Yeah. So we should just be able to enslave them. So it's like uh, X-Men. Yeah. It's like Magneto and X-Men. Yep. Yes. But except he's not like we should be free. It's like we're better. Um, right. Right. Exactly. But Magneto sort of the, the framing does of kind of like at least in the movies he kind of like veers into that a little bit. Right. So the framing of it is like you're either pro anti-interventionism or not. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's not, there's no like morality of like well we could maybe do things not for not bad reasons. <laughs> um, but that's the movie. Yeah. But the movie is really just about this guy who's is it trying good? To, is it like it's fun. would I like it? I don't know because the movie is decently written. Right. Like the characters are fun. There's lots of really cute animals because his his job all he's doing is he's the main character Newt um played by Eddie Redmayne. He's just like this weird guy who likes collecting and studying animals. He's like a biologist right. of magical animals. And so he runs around and he's like trying to get you know pres- he's basically doing like a Pokémon. He's doing preservation and like basically like animal rights activism. How how much prior Harry Potter knowledge does it require? Zero, basically. It basically doesn't imp- need you to know anything. It's just there's magic, and this guy is one of the magic guys. Okay. All right. So it's like, and then, so then you run into, like, this whole, he accidentally gets involved in this whole, like, political intrigue of, like, there's this other group of, like, 
weird Puritans that is like trying to do like gay reversion therapy on like magical kids okay. that is like oh. creating this like parasitic energy that like turns them black and takes them over. And so, yeah, it's weird. Uh-huh. Um, it's okay. a weird movie. And then there's just this non-magical guy who actually gets involved with them. And then they're sort of a team and they're trying to stop. Well, my interest is peaked. It's a weird movie. I'm going to check I'm, it out. I'm so curious. it's like, it's kind of uneven in places because there's like really dark shit about like kids who are like internal like are trying to suppress their magic so much that they like become monsters and then there's like a fancy pig magical thing (laughs) (laughs) it's like what if we have this fucking like disney shit and then really dark stuff so it's uneven but it's kind of fun i mean i watched the charlie's angels movie i'll definitely give this i got yeah yeah, i gotta say (laughs) If you're going to watch a Harry Potter movie, start with this one just because it's you don't need to know anything about what comes after because it's just like all of that stuff is kids stuff. And then there's a second one, which I haven't seen, but I'm going to watch it, even though everyone says it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's what I watched. Yeah. All right. All right. Should we uh, get into Green Room? Let's get into Green Room. Let's do it. Green Room is a 2015 movie uh, directed by Jeremy Saulnier. Saulnier? I don't know how to say it. Saulnier? Saulnier. Um, Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> a drummer. Written by a drummer <laughs> of a band, I assume? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I just, watching this movie today, it's like probably the third time I've seen it, and this is the first time that I watched it, and was like, this is definitely written by a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he's. it's also written by Jeremy Saulnier. Um, Could be a Sorry drummer. for butchering your name. Hope you're not listening to this. Um, hope you are, and I hope you tell me if you're a fucking drummer, dude. Yeah, also come on the show. Gotta know. <laughs> uh, but Simply it's must. Starring the late Anton Yelchin and Imogen Poots, and Patrick Stewart, who I was not expecting. I yeah. Didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the movie is just about a punk band who accidentally gets booked at a Nazi bar mm-hmm. and then a lot of bad things happen. A lot of yeah, bad things, things kind of get all and cocked up. it turns into a horror movie and then they get picked off one by one and some of them escape. So this was the first time I saw this movie. Alex, you had said on Twitter, I fucking love this movie so fucking... I'm not reading your tweet verbatim, but it was, you loved it so much that you could put it on at any time. Yeah. And I said, do you want to come talk about it? And you said, sure, and that's why you're here. So... Tell us about it. Why? <laughs> uh, I don't... Okay, now I have to justify loving it so much. <laughs> well, first of all, I think it's like... I guess, like, I grew up playing in punk bands. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I grew up in southeastern Michigan. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is like a pretty liberal place. We start at birth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, my brother, when my older brother, who's five years older than me, when I was growing up, was a sharp... I don't know if they still have those around anymore. Which oh, they is do, yeah. Skinhead Against Racial Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Oh. Which essentially... I don't totally understand it as a movement, but basically (laughs) they adopt adopt all of the iconography of Nazis. The only difference is that they wear different colored shoelaces. So Mm -hmm. they can tell whether you're a good guy or a bad guy based on your shoelace color. What color? White. Uh, No, white is the bad guys. White are the bad guys. Red is also the bad guys. Red are also the bad guys. And then like different, the the whole thing. The other ones are fine, but they're different funny ones. It's really weird to me like why you would do that. (laughs) My brother, I think, is pretty ashamed of that period of his life. It's like flagging. It's a very similar thing to flagging. But um, What's that? The, uh, wearing the bandana in your back pocket in the different colors. (laughs) Oh, the gay thing. Mm. But also we live not that far from like a lot of epicenters of white supremacy and like extremism, like the Michigan militia, which was a big thing for a while was not too far from where we grew up. And I feel like 
were they involved with like the they they have some connection to Oklahoma City? Oklahoma right? City, like they were. Involved Those are the somehow, guys. Yes, I think that they were somehow involved in training or mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Oh wow! And so I remember as a kid, not being directly involved in any violence, but like my brother definitely was just was just nonstop fighting. Like yeah. and I wow. and like you would go to shows and there would be racist skinheads there mm-hmm. and confrontations would always happen and I would mm-hmm. be like 15 and be like I'm getting the fuck out of here yeah right and so there was something about it that just felt really vivid to me in a way even though like it's obviously like the cartoon version of my right. experience yeah. where it was just like people fighting and me running away <laughs> so uh, that to me was very attractive but also like the performances in the movie are really amazing because it's a movie about one bad decision ruining dozens of lives. Right. Yeah. Right. And you can just watch everybody in the movie trying to grapple with like how to get themselves out of this and mm-hmm. even the good guys and bad guys. And um, as it goes on, it's just like watching all of them unravel as they try to just fix this one thing. Yeah. Like they're just right. like, all, all we need to do is fix this one thing. And uh, it just keeps getting worse and worse. That's probably my favorite thing about the movie overall is the way that it's the whole story has a setup that very clearly it was leading you to think it was going to and it was going to take, which is like the band gets to the Nazi bar, they play Nazi punks fuck off, and then they're like, we hate you because you played that song and now we're going to kill you. And and that's where it seems like it's going. But then everything that happens after that has nothing to do with them being Nazis. It's like completely secondary to what's happening, <laughs> yeah. which is in fact that, yeah, one mistake was made and it's just a cavalcade of mistakes being made on top of one another. Well, sort of what I think is interesting about the movie is that I think the writer, he doesn't just be like, they're Nazis, so they're bad. They're Nazis, so they have these specific set of rules mm-hmm. and powers that any other club might not have, right? Like, if they were just metal kids who were on heroin or doing heroin or whatever, like, that might not have, you know, they would be like, oh, shit, something bad happened. But they're making heroin in their basement, which isn't revealed too much later in the movie. But they also seem to have, like, some sort of in with cops. Mm -hmm. And, like, so the, the police are called very early on in the movie, and they call them back, and they're like, we have these, like, true believers who pretend that they 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 don't they really stab each other to get the cops off their tail but it's like maybe they have like a sort of relationship with the cops because yeah the cops like take that pretty of face course value. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course they would they just believe the nazis yeah they're just well they're all standing there like what i love in that scene is that like nobody even looks like a fight happened <laughs> they're all just right, standing, yeah. standing got a around holes in him and he's like yeah this is look i got stabbed and they're like all right sounds good right i mean the other thing that rung true to me is like these extremists like have a familiarity with violence where like most people would just panic and like everything would fall apart and everybody would run away and everybody would just try and get as far away from it as possible these are people who are like oh well we've been in situations where we've harmed people before which rings very true to me from experiences dealing with like white supremacist kids in the midwest like yeah, you guys are like violent assholes who deal with fucking fucked up terrible shit all the time. Yeah, right. and they they hammer that in really well with like Patrick Stewart's character just kind of showing up and being like, you know, the the 
everyone's going to keep their heads together. I'm in charge. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, uh, what's the word in like a, in, in like a kitchen, the expedite, like he's like the expediter. Oh, he's yeah. the one who's just like calling the cards and being like, you go here, you go here. I need, he has the, the expression, the, the red laces, like I need five red laces, only red laces at this point, mm-hmm. which I'm, presumably is people who've killed for uh, their gang. Right. And like, yeah, really? you're right. Is it's that like, what that means? Well, I love, I, so, okay, my story with this is I grew up in Los Angeles, and I got into punk really early. Like, the very first show I was ever went to on purpose was um, a Rancid concert, and I was, like, nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, like, an all-ages show at, like, not a bar, and, like, my high school friend drove me there, and I, like knew that there were Nazis. Like, that's all. Like, I just knew that there was, like, kids who had, mm-hmm. like... But in L.A., it wasn't really that bad of a thing. Like, they would were the ones getting beat up. Like, mm-hmm. everyone I knew up until I was in high school was, like, Nazi punk fuck off, right? Like, right. it was, like, everyone hated Nazis, but they existed. So, like, I don't really know. And then, like, by the time I got into bands and started playing around, like, I never really... I was already out of punk, like, I right. was more into emo and, like, you know, electronic music and stuff, so... Yeah, there's no emo Nazis. There's really. no emo Nazis <laughs> that I know of. There's bad people, but, you know, there's no straight-up, like, white supremacist gangs. Yeah. So I didn't never really had any real contact with this kind of person other than just very ancillary. So I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems like you guys have, like... Like, yeah, did no, you I ever met, like, like, red laces? Is that a thing? Like, that's a real thing? Well, so the these things are, like, chiseled in stone. Like, these, like, sort of, like, old legendary sort of things yeah, at yeah. times where, uh-huh. like, like, you would see skinheads around. And, yeah, there's, like, sharp guys. There's people who are, like, I'm just into soccer. And, like, this is just kind of the look I've chosen for myself. <laughs> okay. They're, like, soccer hooligans. <laughs> yeah. And then there's these people who are Nazis. And they would indicate that with... Usually it was white laces was the thing that I would see. was if you had white right. laces, then you know that guy is a Nazi kind. sure. But then you would, like, read about it. And, and there would be all these, like, guides online to, like, what the different colors mean. And so red usually meant uh that you had done some sort of violence for for white people like as like a broad concept <laughs> um yeah and i think blue was like you had fought cops oh okay um, because that's the thing is it's like that's this sort cool, of though. what's weird <laughs> is that this white power skinhead thing kind of exists in this different space from the rest of kind of white power where they are also anti-cop because they just mm. want like I think they just want to kill with impunity. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I think that's kind of like what the end goal of like the white power skinhead thing was. Mm. So they didn't like cops either. Weird. What's weird about it is that it doesn't seem to exist as much anymore. Like mm-hmm. it's all sort of moved to. Well, it's gotten a little more mainstream. I yeah. Think. Yeah. That's right, what I mean. They're like, not skinheads anymore. Right. They're not skinheads the anymore. They're... Be, well, I mean the whole, a huge part of white supremacy in our era is the plausible deniability of white supremacy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I feel like the skinheads became embarrassing. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't plausibly deny that a person who is wearing the outfit of like a jackbooted thug is not yeah. a jackbooted thug. <laughs> so like everybody's kind of moved away from it. Yeah. It definitely does seem like not quite a thing anymore in the same yeah. way. It's interesting because it feels like a very time and place thing. Like, I mean, maybe there's oi music clubs. Like, I just don't. Yeah, there's still... I mean, this still exists. They there's still definitely exist. still these guys. Like, there are little pockets. I know there's, like, a famous one in, like, Tampa um, okay. that I've heard a bunch about uh, over the years. 
but um, of all places, Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, what it's funny because I remember a bar in Brooklyn got like um, canceled. You know, oh, yeah. because there was like going to be an oi show right. and like very explicitly Nazi bands were supposed to play and people were like, fuck you, you can't host this in New York City. And they were like, oh, sorry. And I think they canceled it. I think they canceled it. I'm not actually yeah, sure. I'm sure but people got really mad. I think we won't say the name of the place because um, I don't know enough of the information. Right. But yeah, I think they were. People were like, oh, so I guess these bands still exist in like places like this, but it still do, feels yeah. like a it's time and a place. smaller pockets. What's funny, though, is that like the time and place element of it is that even in this era and even in like the time period that where like either of us would have been going to punk shows and seeing skinheads, mm-hmm. it was already like such an antiquated look. It was. Because <laughs> it's like it's rooted in like late 70s, early 80s England. It's like not in the right time or place. Yeah, it was all dudes. like second wave ska guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the worst people. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, Third wave ska guys are pretty rough too, which is like what my brother was. You know? Oh no. <clears throat> but it's in just, his it's checkered funny fedora. Me. I mean, well, I mean, he dressed like a skinhead but he was listening to i mean i remember hearing this is gonna sound like a really cool brag i want to prepare you guys but i remember hearing like the mighty mighty boston oh, way yeah. before they were popular way before they were, they got big because my Damn. brother was like flex he's been on that shit since day one man. save ferris <laughs> um one of the things that i loved about patrick stewart's character is because he was kind of like a bizarro captain picard yeah. i know he was like he was like a sweet, nurturing man who also was conspiring to kill people. <laughs> but he like had the same traits as Picard. He was like calm and rational and thoughtful and he ca- and he was like he was like the captain of the ship of this Nazi yeah. Nazi yeah, yeah. club. He's like definitely in charge. He knows exactly who he's who his like his number one is and who like when people are disappointing him he like gives them reasonable pep talks it's really weird because then there's like little breaks where he's just like fuck and it's like whoa hey Picard calm down (laughs) take it easy pal (laughs) I love his like last moment too when uh, like all is said and done and they're kind of uh, in in the last moment they they have their guns on him and the other guy the the dog guy I think it is Mm -hmm. um and he just has this fantastic moment where he's just like, fuck this. And he just starts walking away. <laughs> he has his gun out. Yeah, but he he's takes just his like, gun out. He's like, like fuck It doesn't mean this. anything in the end, but it's just such a funny little moment for him. He's such like, I feel like he's such, Patrick Stewart seems like such a weirdo in real life. Like, I'd love yeah. to know what the conversation was like to get him into this movie. Right. Because he's usually always the good guy. Right. Yeah, I can't think of an example of him being like an explicitly bad guy. Ooh, I have one. What? He was in um is it called Masterminds? Never heard of it. Oh, it's that like fucking weird like kids, kids movie. Home Alone movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's silly. Um, it's like a it's like a 90s kids movie about like a bad kid who's like a hacker and he like <laughs> breaks into a private school but then also Patrick Stewart does and there, there's some sort of like scheme to like kidnap all these kids for ransom money. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie it's since it like, came out. It's like Die Hard almost, but with kids. <laughs> yeah, that's how I remember. I remember yeah. like being so excited for that movie. Mm-hmm. Like I saw the trailer and I was like, cannot wait. Can't wait. So hyped for Mastermind. Circled on the calendar, Mastermind. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Uh, I liked it when I was like a very young child, yeah. but I don't remember. I don't remember if it's good. Anyway, I wanted to talk about uh, how this movie, so all I knew about this movie was that it's about Nazis and it's 
quote unquote kind of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know what to expect. But I remember you like what I thought about this movie was when Uncut Gems were coming out, people were like, this is the most stressful movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This movie gave me a fucking panic attack. Yeah. Like this very movie similar. is very so deeply stressful because I think the realism of this movie is hard to overstate because it's like everyone reacts exactly the way you think. Not the way you think you would react, but like what you know to be true in your yeah, heart. Uh-huh. Where it's like, oh shit, you would just stand there while that happened. Yeah, you would totally fuck that up. Yeah, no way. <laughs> like no one does a cool like. Yeah, no one's doing spin moves and and or right. any of that shit. Right. And like the first thirty minutes of the movie maybe is all sort of set up and wind up and like no release. There's no release of tension for the first like. Once the bad thing in the movie happens, right? There's no um, release. Like it, they barricade themselves in a room, and there's like a half an hour of them talking through the door and trying yeah. to figure out a way out of it. And then they end up back in the room so many times. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they keep trying to run out, and they keep getting back in, and they like threaten people and hold people hostage, and like it's just maddening. Yeah, like, to the point that I thought that at a certain point it would get bad like i was like there's no way they can keep almost getting out and coming back and and right and did not feel mm-hmm. stupid and and like a little bit but Cartini. it's just so tightly written yeah that it's like everything makes sense and they like the stakes change every time they get back into the room it's like okay well now they have gun or now they have like a way to kill the dogs or whatever you know like every, yeah. you know now they have this extra little bit of hope like it's always careful to be like well, this bad thing happens, but now we have the, this power. Right. Or we found this underground layer with this item or whatever. It's almost like uses video game logic. To yeah, like, it does feel a bit like <laughs> Oh, yeah, because now way. they have the key to X, uh, to X door. And, yeah, exactly. And you're like, well, there's going to be something that happens down there. Right. Not sure what yet. <laughs> yeah. But they wouldn't have programmed this in if it didn't mean something. Yeah, so I got to <laughs> explore it. It's like, we got the duct tape for this reason. Yeah. And, we have this, and it's just so tense. Ugh, duct tape I, thing is very funny to me too. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, uh, there, somebody uses duct tape to like cover up a bunch of wounds. And to me, as like a band person, like I'm sure you guys relate to this too. It's just like obviously that's how you would have done that. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> that's such I, a band guy solution to something. Just like, well, that's oh what, yeah, we got a bunch of duct tape. Perfect. The, the first, the real first, like 15, 20 minutes of the movie has such a weird tone mm-hmm. because it's like these four kids who are in a punk band, they wake up in the middle of a field, their van had someone fell asleep and crashed into a cornfield mm-hmm. and then they have to steal gas to get back to where they're going. But everyone has this fucking attitude. Yeah. Like they're clearly friends like enough, but it's like this very realistic like I'm so pissed at everyone right now and i would just like to go home it really captures the joylessness of being stuck with people who are like for a very long period of time with very few resources like (laughs) like they don't have any money they're playing shows that no one's coming to i feel like they get ten dollars for one of the the first show the first show that they do they each get like 10 bucks for it or something and they're just desperately trying to get home yeah, this is the last show of the tour. They're right. from DC. They're in Portland. Like you know how they feel at that point. It just yeah. sucks. it's so demoralizing <laughs> to you know play shows that no one comes to. Yeah, um, and then it seems like this band it's like really helpful that they kind of 
if you're in a band, it seems like they haven't made any money, right. which means that they haven't played a single good show on this tour. And it's just like, why even? We just need enough money to get home. Yeah, and so like, that be it leads them to this scenario at the at the Nazi bar, which you know when you see it for the first time, I feel like for me at least, when I saw them roll up to the Nazi bar, I'm like, I wouldn't play this show. Oh yeah, I would. I would have bolted. I would have fucking gone because it's not like a bar that they go to. They drive their little Scooby van onto (laughs) a full on compound. Yeah, it's like a warehouse. It looks like a looks like a converted warehouse, and it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. There's just trees as far Mm -hmm. as the eye can see. Yeah, because even if you didn't get into a situation like this insane situation. You're probably going to get in a fight. Yeah, no, nothing good is going to happen here. No, no way. Even if you're not like a very far left winger like me, you have to know you're you're going to be in trouble. And one of you is Jewish. You honestly might not (laughs) even be the right kind of Nazi for them. Even if you were a Nazi, you might get into some hot water here. You're in the middle of nowhere. You could be Richard Spencer and you should not go there. (laughs) Yeah, so it's immediately scary. It's immediately uncomfortable. And then, like, the idea to play Dead Kennedy's Nazi Punk's Fuck Off is your first song. It's like, I guess a joke or, like, yeah. to break the tension or something. But then they're, like, sort of doing it to just to be like, fuck you, we don't agree with you because they're punks. And it's like, please yeah. don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. But, it, I mean, it doesn't end up being consequential at all. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, too, because they definitely had to pay to do that. <laughs> oh, like to the have movie maker them. like had to pay to have that song in there, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I just can't imagine watching this more than once. <laughs> Does this like? Are you like? I, I, are you able to watch it from like a a purely constructive point of view now? I I am am a big horror movie fan. Like I, that's kind of like my go to genre. Mm-hmm. So I'm like totally happy to watch movies that have like crazy tension the thing that i like about this the thing that sets it apart from like your average horror movie is like like you say the realism yeah it feels real there's not any there's no sort of like sentimentality about the deaths in like the way that there would be in a horror movie and also just like for a movie that takes place in like a filthy club, it's just really beautiful. Oh it's yeah, just, it's really good looking. It's a really attractive movie. Like, it's funny that it's called Green Room because the whole thing kind of has a greenish hue. Yeah, and I assume that that's deliberate, but it just has this like really the the atmosphere is like really incredible and. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Also, the tension's gone for me. I know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I gotta say, there was a brand new tension for me this time. Really? Uh, because I completely forgot about all the dog violence that happens in this. Oh. And I uh, recently was bit by a pit bull. Oh, so really? Had Whoa, what happened? I had all kinds of new feelings. <laughs> uh, I was canvassing for Bernie in Massachusetts, and I got bit by a pit bull. Oh, my God. Yeah, out there I mean, on I'm the streets. Out, but, it's, but, like, seeing praxis. the dog for the first time, I was just like, oh, fuck. Oh, no, this is... Much more triggering than I'd anticipated. <laughs> Jesus, that sounds awful. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that was real scary. Because yeah. what do you do? What do you I do? Mean, you gotta just like he did the right everyone thing. Everyone does this. Yeah, yeah. You put the. So I learned this. Uh, oddly enough, the day before I got bit, uh, we were having a conversation about what you do in a wolf attack. My friend had just read a bunch about it, and he said that what you do is you offer up your weak arm as a path of least resistance mm. because you're gonna lose something. Right, you're gonna <laughs> yeah. lose something to the dog or the wolf. Oh, that's horrible. So you gotta offer up what is your your you know least valuable asset, 
which is your weak arm. Your so you arm. have your strong arm to punch with. Okay, now I'm going to be stressed out watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I also love horror movies. And I feel like this movie almost doesn't ring tr- as a horror. Like, yeah. it's a, because there's no slashing. Well, there's slashing, definitely. <laughs> but there's there's no, like... I don't know. I I feel like a ne- almost necessity of a horror is that it's removed. Like there's a supernatural silliness to it, right. and like very rarely, like like a Saw movie where it's like no one's making a fu- like you know no one's making a big contraption sure, to torture right. somebody. Like I've I've very rarely seen a movie where the point is real people in a real situation get into a into a situation where their lives are threatened. And that's the horror. Like that right. seems so rare and unique. I I couldn't that, even place another every movie. Every character has the same motivation. Essentially, every right. character in this movie has the exact same motivation, which is like this has gone way too far. But like right. we're already here. Often in a horror movie, most of the characters don't believe they're even in danger. You know, right. like they don't know that the the killer is on the loose yet, or like until the very end. You know, like a Freddy or a Jason or a Michael Myers. You know, like. Like these movies is just generally like you're the audience and you're like, oh, you're going to get killed. And you're almost having fun with that. This movie is like real people are there. Our lives are threatened and they're all trying to survive and they all know it. You know what I think the tension is that is absent in a horror movie is if you look at something like Assault on Precinct 13 or something where like people are trapped in a room and there are people outside trying to kill them. Mm -hmm. There's no there's not even for a second do you humanize the people outside of the room because there's no reasoning with them. They're just going to try and kill you. But there are moments in this movie, flashes, where it feels like maybe they can talk their way out of it. I feel like that's what's so frustrating and Uh like scary about the movie. There's so many times you're just like, Oh, you could do this, man. Come on. Yeah, what if you what if you just said this? It has that real sort of realistic feeling of like if you're in that situation you're just panicking and you're like I I gotta say the right thing you only have one chance even from the get go like the first moment where everything kind of flips you very very sincerely feel like you could just say I didn't see a thing right they never offer that they never say like we'll just leave and not tell anybody they say we didn't see anything they well, but do. he like calls the cops right away. I know he shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done That's, that. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's so teeth grindingly annoying. Also, like, yeah, that's a perfectly reasonable response. Like, I would have called the cops too. Sure, but in like the exact moment, or like, would you? I mean, I guess. But yeah, you're right. It's like the it's the realism. It's the feeling of like in that moment. Like, would you, you have waited until you got outside? Would you have just panicked and done it right there? Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to control yourself. I, I don't know think. that I would have the forethought to be like, well, let's just get out of here and act like we didn't see anything, and then we'll call the cops. I probably would just be the dumbass who called the cops. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Fear does crazy things to people. Yeah. My friend told me once that he went through like a really intense scary experience in like a uh, in like an abandoned house right he was like doing like some pictures in like an abandoned house and somebody chased him out and he just started like involuntarily pissing <laughs> he just couldn't stop yeah. himself oh my he just God. started pissing <laughs> well, people pee their pants out of fear it definitely happens I it's don't think crazy. that's crazy <laughs> but he was like out of the situation and like just like the adrenaline of it he just like oh, I just gotta pee just <laughs> peeing <laughs> oh man I'm surprised no one pees themselves in this movie that's true yeah nobody pees themselves it's happened sometimes in horror movies <laughs> um, so as band people we've all played in bands before mm-hmm. sure 
I'm curious what rings true to you about the band and what doesn't. I don't I don't know. Uh, I guess I'd never thought about it. They seem like a perfectly reasonably real band playing mm-hmm. like pretty mediocre hardcore. Uh, I don't know that I can imagine them booking a tour all the way across the country. And then not having shows on the way back. Right. I feel like that doesn't really... Yeah, that right. doesn't track. That doesn't track when uh, the kid says, like, sorry, we had to cancel the show, and they're like, you got to give us a kill fee. That doesn't really track. Right. Things that do track, uh, the drummer being into MMA feels very real to totally. me. Totally. <laughs> That's totally a drummer thing. I felt that, and it may be because it's just maybe from Arrested Development... So maybe from Arrested Development is the bassist of the uh, band. Guitarist. Excuse me. The good. I always think girls are the bassist. I'm the bassist. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> good. She's the guitarist of the band, and that feels weird to me. Maybe just because she's maybe from Arrested Development, but yeah, she doesn't look the part to me. I I think I agree with you. She's the only one of the band who like seems like she'd play different kinds of music or something. What kind of music? She seems like she'd be in an indie band. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't be in a hardcore band like this. Because mm-hmm. they are just, like, a straight-up hardcore band. Yeah, there's... It, that, to me, is the probably the most realistic part of it, is that in 99.9% of movies, if you were to have a band in it, they would play, like, really polished pop punk, or mm-hmm. they would play, like, I don't know, something that feels, like, a little more palatable. But this is, like... It really sounds like a live show where the drums are louder than everything and you yeah, can barely yeah. hear the singer and the guitar sounds like shit. Like it really does <laughs> yeah. sound like a show that has a bad PA. Like that to me, I was like, oh, that is real. Yeah, That's exactly yeah. what this Yeah, I really like. appreciate that they didn't try at all to make the song that the band plays something that they could sell later. <laughs> Like there's, yeah, that's they're not point. trying to like put this on the soundtrack and like <laughs> and a, single it as a single from the green room band. <laughs> like the song sucks and you don't want to hear it. Yeah, again. <laughs> yeah, and like they play their early stuff. They play their like, oh yeah right because the guy intense. is just like yeah play play heavier stuff. They're gonna yeah. like that. I also one of the things that really rings true to me is that they're on a bill with a black metal band mm-hmm. it's like not it's a last minute thrown together it's like this is close enough i yeah. guess <laughs> yeah like just throw a band on that's local i've played so many like i hardly ever play a show where it's like we fit together like right. this should be the same bill it's almost always like this is five guys in ties who play shit that sounds like they might be giants or whatever and i'm like what the hell is this <laughs> I mean, cool. Good job, guys. I never played much. I haven't played many shows since I moved to New York, which now I'm, again, like I'm 15 years ago or yeah, 15 years ago. 15 years ago. But like in the times that I've played shows, the places that guaranteed us a spot was like Trash Bar, which I don't know if it's still around, but Trash Bar was Trash Bar is a boxing uh, gym now. Okay. (laughs) But like, went away. But like the deal with Trash Bar was like, you can get on the bill and we will pay you if you get X amount of people to show up. Otherwise, you don't get paid and you have no say who's on the bill. Bring it. So like, so like everybody would just show up. And it would be like five, it would be like an electronic band. And like we played one time with this band where the drummer uh, had light up drumsticks <laughs> and he wore like a, a veil over his face. And most of his thing was just like doing, doing like drum spin and flip tricks or drumstick spin and flip tricks. Okay. And like they were just like a normal heavy metal band, but they were, it was like the drummer really wanted to steal the show. I wish I could remember what they were called because it was <laughs> fantastic. But like, but like, 
Sounds in order to get on a bill, you show up and just play with whoever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's how it usually is. So that rang true to me. Yeah. The costuming, I think, is perfect. I think everybody pretty much looks exactly like they should. Yep. Um, the I band agree. all look like a real punk band. The skinheads are like absolutely impeccable. Every single one right. of them looks right, including down to the fact that like some of them aren't skinheads. They're just like skin adjacent guys yeah. who are hanging. Like there's the one guy who looks like John Tron, who's just like in the murder <laughs> brigade. <laughs> oh, you mean his like sort of right hand man guy? No, no, no. Like when he gets the red laces in later to like come and do all the killing. Uh, he's the one who gets like hacked in the neck. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, the kind of bigger. Yeah, he just has like long guy. hair. He's not a skinhead at all. <laughs> he just like hangs out with them. <laughs> yeah, but he still looks like the kind of guy. They're who not would all hang out like with them. that. Yeah, they mostly are. That's their gang. But um, yeah, definitely. the main skinhead guy. That guy, fantastic performance out of him. He actually reminded me of my brother up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, I mean. Uh, not in as far as my brother's a racist murderer, but um, my brother actually like he was like he like lifted weights and was he joined the Marines and mm-hmm. like he just like had like the tough guy thing going on when we were in high when he was in high school and like I was like oh yeah that's this feels really familiar to me yeah so. um, all right so obviously you would you would recommend Green Room yeah absolutely Bryn would you recommend Green Room yeah I'd recommend it I think it's definitely a movie that I would. It has a lot of caveats, like if you do not want to be like in a very tense situation for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. like definitely don't watch this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you like a very realistic horror movie and want to, it's just so frustrating because it's like, you know, when you have like any time you think about a situation where there's physical confrontation or, you know, like if you have, if you ever like are like absent-mindedly fantasizing about it you're like well i would do this and this and this it's like fuck you this is reality yeah, you would never you do would ne- of none things. of those yeah, things yeah. are not cool yeah you're you not need cool to, this you need isn't to gonna be, work you need to be trained much you need to be carrying your own gun you need <laughs> this movie felt like watching the like what it must feel like to watch msnbc or fox news all the time where i'm just like i need to have a gun <laughs> all of the time <laughs> um so yeah it's it that's how it's gonna make you feel if you can handle feeling that or that you want to feel that absolutely it's one of the best versions of that i've ever seen yeah similarly i would i would recommend not if you're trying to do anything else with your day afterwards (laughs) that like would be positive uh like i think for the most part your day is kind of wrecked making me sound crazy for liking this movie so much yeah i like watching it all the time (laughs) well i mean like watch it before bed like don't don't try to like hook up after or something like that like that's not gonna gonna make about like a slashed arm all day yeah (laughs) i mean maybe it's you know maybe it's because i have only seen it once like i've done like I, I, I am a big fan of way more violent movies than yeah. this. Like, I don't know. For some, like, I've seen Sallow. I've seen um, Hostel. I've seen Men Behind the Sun. Like, I sought out like Rotten.com shit when I was a kid. Like, right. I, I can handle it. What's so intense for me was how surprised at like how realistic it was. Right. You know, it's funny. I've always thought that like if there was a zombie situation, like I might do all right for at least a little while. Mm-hmm. But if I were in a green room situation, I'd be dead in 15 minutes. Like, yeah. There's yeah. no, like no it feels so this. different <laughs> and so much more real and so much more like actually menacing in a way that like most horror movie scenarios don't, which is part of what is so gripping about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I totally agree. And I think what's so, so strange about it is you've probably met someone like this. Like if you have 
spent any amount of time in the music scene or, or really any sort of counterculture, you've met like huge white dudes who just look at you like they want to tear you apart and probably could. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and you probably stayed away from them, but you can definitely imagine them like just turning their sights on you and being like, this is the situation you're in now. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> no. Honestly, having a bro- an older brother who is prone to fighting, like I remember a couple times people would be like, uh, hey, that's Dylan's little brother. And they'd be like, oh, fuck. That's Dylan's oh. little brother. Like, leave him the fuck alone. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I think my brother necessarily would have protected me if the shit got real. <laughs> they, they don't know that. <laughs> they, uh, they don't need to know that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dylan's my brother. <laughs> All right, well. This has been Generation Loss. This has been Generation Loss. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Yeah, Alex. thanks for having me. It was a lot uh, of fun. Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, if you want to listen to my podcast, it's called Reply All. Uh, ReplyAllShow.com. It's a great show. I've loved it for so long. Thank you. Um, follow Alex Goldman at A Goldmund on Twitter. Um, I'm Kina Montagraffi on Twitter. Jeremy Thunder on Twitter. Um, follow the show at Gen Loss Pod. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash generation loss. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. It's something that's supposed to be gut level and interesting, far more true to the original spirit of rock and roll than anything like ACDC or Men at Work. It's supposed to be upsetting and get under your skin to get people out of their... ...and anti-normality, shall we say. It's to get people out of their little apathetic shells and uh, get involved in what's going on around them, maybe, instead of...